Welcome to Conscious Communication, the podcast that can help you improve your company's culture and better your team's communication, helping you build more significant relationships. Now here's your host, Philip Bogolub. I have the privilege and honor of talking with Paul McGeoni. I had to say it that way. I had to say it. I spelled it phonetically because I never would have met. I would have messed it up big time. My audience knows I mess it up all the time. So Paul is the president and founder of Long Island's Prep. He has made it a mission, his personal mission, to support individuals with substance abuse and addiction, specifically with adolescents. He lives in Suffolk County, Long Island. I hope I said that right. Did. For over 40, good. For over 40 years with his wife and two children. And I want to thank Paul for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Well, it's, uh, it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And we were just talking before we went on air here about different things because he has his own show and, and how you're making a difference and how this is about conscious to communicate. You do your own conscious communication. That's why I wanted you on here. I'm going to start you out with the first question. What was your serendipity? What was your accident, your coincidence in life that guided you to where you are at now? Now, I know there's a lot. But what comes to mind, because you just didn't wake up in the morning and start the school, you know, the thing about uh, drug abuse and all those things that you saw, what was the thing that woke you up and got you into that place? Sure. So I'm sure, as you know, and as your listeners know, the United States is in the grips of a pretty awful crisis. You know, when we talk about drug overdose and fentanyl and the mental health crisis, right, um, that was augmented by COVID-19. You know, between the lockdowns, the isolation, uh, all the craziness going on with the political landscape and social media. So I think being a teacher for 20 years um, really kind of brought me to the forefront of knowing a little bit about how teenagers operate and what teenagers think and their behaviors and things like that. So real quick, about six years ago, a buddy of mine, very close friend of mine, uh, ran for political office here in Suffolk County, Long Island. And one of his initiatives was to uh, deal with the opioid crisis, which was at its peak at that time, you know, about 2017. It's obviously, it went down for a while, then it's peaked back up again, ticked back up again from, you know, the, the fallout from the pandemic. So I would say that's probably the focal point of where this all started. I love being a teacher. I, uh, you know, I teach at, at the secondary level. Uh, I love teenagers. I love being around you know, that world. And I think I kind of said, okay, I can use what I know and I can use my experience as a teacher to really bring prevention and bring, you know, these issues to the forefront as it pertains to kids, because there's a lot there. Um, and really you can read, you can research, you can do all you want, but experience is where, you know, I think the, you know, uh, that's where you're at and that's where you're going to get the most out of what you're looking for. And that's basically how I began Long Island Prep. What was that passion that keeps you drive, driving that thing every single day? Because, you know, the story's a little different, but it's the same thing that's occurring. It's substance abuse. It's whatever the issues that you're dealing with. Is it only substance abuse that you're dealing with right now? So uh, substance abuse and mental health. Uh, okay. Again, those, you're right, those, those dueling uh, crises that we have across the country. So really, I think for together. me, the, the, oh yeah, I mean- Mental health and um, substance abuse, a brother and sister, I always say, one is the cause of the other and vice versa. When I was doing my, my initial research for this, for this platform and for this program, you know, you hit Google, you type addiction, the next word was, you know, mental health uh, and, you know, vice versa. So, um, but I think for me, the passion, you know, if I can be uh, personal, I actually have three kids now. We, uh, I, have to, I have to update my profile, but- uh, I was wondering, I saw a picture of you and I'm like, wait a minute, there's a, is that a kid on loan? <laughs> 
You don't want to have your two kids. You don't want to loan anybody else's. No, 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 you know, no loan. Uh, we, you know, we had my third boy actually last September of 22. So, um, congratulations. Thank you. So it's, it's double barreled. It's being in the, you know, the population with, you know, the education part, being a teacher and then having my own kids. Um, really, because you see what's out there, you see what they're faced with, and I want to avoid, you know, my own kids from going down the wrong path, and I want to avoid, you know, help avoid my students from going down the wrong path. I mean, since I'm a kid, I always wanted to help people. I think for me, helping somebody is tremendously rewarding, and you know, what a better way to do it than to help the students I'm responsible for and my own kids. So, I mean, that's like kind of like I said, like a double-barreled, you know, kind of thing here. Well. I think it's important to be able to have your passion, you know, make it a business. If you can make it into a business like you've done, uh, I mean, how long has the prep school been alive? So I uh, began it, like I said, around 2017, but we didn't officially launch uh, until 2022, February of, of uh, 22. And really the way it, it, it works, um, Phil, is I, you know, I kind of brought all of the things that I can, like I was saying before, my experience, and I applied it to each of, 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 you know, these things that are impacting our kids, they're impacting our, our, our parents and our professionals. So just being immersed in these worlds kind of has given me a leg up on the best way to approach it. And that's really what I've been doing. So I'd say, you know, um, officially we've been launched since about February of 22. So in the philosophy I mentioned about Agenoi, it's a philosophy, a belief system and, and that I, that I have, and I'm, want to get this out to, like I said, a million people worldwide. You know, I, I believe in the spiritual side of the mind too. Do you touch on that as in, not specific, you know, you call it God, you can call it Jesus, you can call it Krishna, but do you, because in the mind, you've got to have something, at least for me, I believe when you have something bigger than you, knowing that there's something driving you and those different coincidences and serendipities and accents, that's why I always ask my guests, is because those things drive you. And if you're into your passion and you start getting away from that, that substance abuse, that addiction, that thing in the mind that keeps you away from your passion. Do you kind of put that inside there too, like certain meditations and different things to help the students? You know, Phil, yes, you have to, because like we said before, mental health and substance abuse are, you know, closely linked. And really the, the journey that I took, I'm, I'm really glad you asked this because, you know, I think a lot of people treat, you know, drug abuse and addiction as a disease. And there's a whole debate on what it is and how it, you know, how it, it kind of manifests, but every single mental health provider or substance abuse counselor or every AA meeting that I attended to kind of learn all I could about these things, you know, uh, the mind is so powerful and, yes. you know, right. How powerful, I mean, when we put our, you know, mindfulness is really the, the key to everything. So of course, uh, all of our curriculum, all of our courses for teachers and, uh, you know, interventions and preventions. It's all based around that 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 philosophy, you know. I think, uh, in terms of of prevention, obviously there's you know there's medically um, assisted treatments for you know substance abuse and alcoholism and things like that. But then when those things kind of run out, you know, it's kind of up to the individual to take their right, take their minds to a place where they don't need to cope with the stresses of life uh, with you know with substances. So that's that's ultimately where we want to get everybody. Absolutely. Well, I mean, the, the addiction, you know, it's like, well, it's an addiction. All right. Well, I have an addiction to chocolate. Right. Does that mean I eating it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Well, I can kind of imagine that, but I know I can't, you know, or what was that one guy several years? This is probably over a decade ago. 
he went to McDonald's three days a week, three times a day, and he had ended up with liver problems. You didn't have to do that. I could have told you you would end up with liver problems. I mean, you, it's not what it's for. So, you, you know, when you want to go for a cheeseburger and a French fries and a milkshake and you want to enjoy yourself, you're not going for every day. But it is a, a thing in the mind because I've had things where when I grew up, and I'm, I'm older than you, but I, there wasn't, maybe, maybe you didn't have that either in, when you were a kid. There weren't a million restaurants. There weren't a million. You had like maybe an Arby's or McDonald's or the basic. Now it's like every, like every block, there's something to go into. Well, it's not like it's a magnetic field dra- drawing you in. Right. It's, and, and when you listen to the advertising, ever, what, what is it? The, uh, when you go grocery shopping, don't go when you're hungry. And when you grocery shop, they set up the grocery store that all the health foods on the top, the kids only see the bottom, they see sure. the junk food. So you have to go to the outside of it. There's all the scientific stuff. This has been going on for decades, but it's very similar to you talking about addiction because I believe the way the world is designed, it is an addiction. We're right. addicted to our phones. We're addicted. Well, I call it the idiot box. We're addicted to the idiot box. We're addicted to Coca-Cola. We're addicted to, I got to have a pop every day. And I think the driving force that you're going to clarify this and make sure I'm on the right, I think we are in the same frequency. You don't have to be in that mindset. You don't have to do what the outside world's telling you. I've literally eliminated all negativity in my life. Fill in the blank, whatever that is for you. Because somebody said, well, you know, you don't know what's going on in the world. I said, let me tell you. Everybody hates each other on both the politics. People are dying. People are getting, killing each other. And if, how am I going to do any good to the, the world, from, to me, to anybody else, to be able to have that information in my mind? I can't do anything about it. No, right. you're doing something. You're actually doing. Now, I'm doing something, but not to the extent that you're doing it. But you do what you can. I can't go and, and tell people, stop doing that. So you have a place that you can actually teach people. And I, and I love that because it isn't just, I'm not approaching this as the opioids and stuff. People, human beings are addictive. We have habits and routines. We do them every single day. I do everything I can. You know, your wife, your husband, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. And when you, if you're sleeping together, you know, every day you're going, I'm going to brush my teeth first. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to wipe my face. I'm going to eat breakfast. Then I'm going to brush my teeth again. You have habits and routines. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like changing, not changing, reframing your mind in a way that's a positive outlook. So where do you start with, I know they're all different, but give, give the audience an idea because I'm sure people are going, I know somebody with this problem, or maybe they're dealing with stuff themselves. Yeah. So that's a really good point. And I can tell you that the reason that it's so, it's a complicated topic, but here's the thing, Bill, we are addicted to a couple of things in life that we need to be addicted to, right? We need to be addicted to food so we can you know, have nourishment. We are addicted to fluids, right? So we don't become dehydrated. We are addicted. We have to use the bathroom. We have to do things that keep life sustainable. Beyond that, uh, it really goes down, you know, it comes down to your mind. And like you said, there's so much out there. The world is designed, whether it's the advertisers, the food industry, the cell phones, you know, we are, um, we're, we're almost victims of it where it's everywhere. And to fall into an addiction is very easy these days. So when we're aware of it, you know, our, one of our punchlines for Long Island Prep is knowledge is power. Because when you know what's out there and you're informed about the dangers and, you know, these, these many, many things that you have to kind of be faced with and go the other way with, um, when you know what's out there, you can avoid them. That's the essence of prevention. And that's what we're trying to teach, you know, kids before it becomes a problem. You know, if a kid learns that there's alcoholism in the family or, um, you know, something that's, you know, nefarious that can be impactful for their lives. When they learn that at 12, 13, and 14 years old, 
all of a sudden, maybe they think twice before they pick up a drink or a drug or, you know, any, any, any of the, um, you know, addictions that impact our lives. So we need to get it beforehand because let me tell you, once you're in the throes of addiction, whether it's drugs, alcohol, or cigarettes, cigarettes, I mean, you name it, you know, once you're in the throes of it, uh, overcoming that is much, much more difficult. And again, it goes back to the mind. So yeah, I am, I am so with you on that. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to get to a place where, you know, where we're just educating people so they know about it so that they can make, uh, you know, better informed decisions when they're young enough to avoid the problems that they can then face later in life. When I, um, I own a lot of DVDs and Blu-rays. I, I still stream stuff, but basically I just like the idea of I can stop it in a dime and go back to it. It's a lot, there's no hesitation or anything. And I lose, and the reason why I'm telling you this, sometimes I lose. So I, I do a lot of praying and meditating all day long, especially at night. But sometimes when I get involved in watching some old TV show or something, I'm like watching and then I go to bed, I don't sleep as good because I usually spend 15, maybe 20, maybe 30 minutes. Sometimes I lie on a mat, no mm-hmm. sound, no phones, no noise, just a dark light. And I, I eliminate it and I sometimes fall asleep on the mat. I don't want to do it in bed. For me, that's the way I do it. But when I get out of that habit and routine, I notice a change in the way I sleep. If you're watching or doing things bad before you go to bed, please, I know you'll agree with me. Everybody, stop looking at your screen when you're trying to go to sleep. The mind, the brain is designed, that thinks it's, it's daytime. It's your central nervous system doesn't know. When you experience the worst thing you've ever done in your life, don't do that. But if you did, your central nervous system and your mind wouldn't know what happened 20 years ago. And you'd go into, your heart would start pounding. We could do it. Everybody can do that instantly. Stop, stop, shut everything down. But my favorite button on the phone is airplane mode. So take it away. So I need to focus on where I play music or whatever I do. I need to lay back. I need that mind, as we, we keep using the word mindfulness, because that's a, a word everybody uses now, which is fine. Go into that place. If you don't call it prayer, you don't call it meditation, call it a cup of coffee. Um, mm-hmm. You talk about coffee. I know people that are, are addicted to coffee. I mean, you used to drink a pot of coffee. So we are addictive type human beings, or I say it as habit routines. It's the same type of thing. Yeah. But I like how you put it that that um, you're you're getting into the mind because that is originally where it starts. Because all the inventions in our life, airplanes, telephones, the old telephones, the ones that plug in the wall, cars, Ford, all these things come out of people's imagination. Sure. So it's interesting because when you straighten people out, you know what I mean? When you're straight and getting them on the path, they have to do it. They have to choose to do it themselves. Right. And I think the hardest part is keeping them focused because we're used to, for even, for, even for all the internet stuff, we're used to instant gratification. It's got to happen now. It's got to happen now. It's got to happen now. If I take this pill, if I do this drink, if I do this exercise, and, and it doesn't. So how do you, how can you keep supporting the people? Because the problem is when you go to sleep or you go home, or you walk out the door, you're feeling really good, but then life comes right at you and you start with that negativity. What are some of the support systems or some of the things that you've done, or you're still, I'm sure you're still changing it all the time, that you can use their people to kind of click them and keep them in that positivity? Sure. So I actually took the philosophy as a teacher and applied it to, you know, the way we work with the with Long Island Prep. And here's the thing. When you have a student and you have to get a, you know, a student from point A to point B, 
you know, you can stand over a student and tell them what to do. And then, you know, they're going to get from point A to point B because you told them what to do. Right. Right. So, I mean, with, I think, it, you know, it's an old saying, if you teach someone how to fish, you know, they can, they can eat for life. Right. Yes. So, exactly. so yeah. So it's, it's giving people the opportunity to learn how to do what they need to do to survive, to stay away from the bad stuff and right. to, to stay on the right path. So how do you do that? Well, you know, people, humans are humans. So there's no one, you know, correct answer, but right. you know, when you can mold somebody who's young and who looks up to somebody, you know, who's in the position to help them, um, when you provide them the tools, when you provide them the information, when you provide them the strategies, uh, they can take it and run with, you know, uh, them however they want, but it's, it's our job to facilitate that. It's our job to show them the way, because once they learn, they're going to figure out on their own the best way to, you know, uh, proceed through life. And that goes with everything that goes with education, that goes with addiction, that goes with, you know, relationships. It's just a matter of being that, that force and that presence in a young person's life, because let's face it, you know, everybody in the world can look back at their childhood and say, Hmm, that teacher, you know, influenced me in such a great way that this is why I'm doing this today. Well, it's the same idea. So, you know, and it's no secret because addiction is what it is and people know how bad drugs are, but kids are still going to experiment. Okay. So, you know, it, it's, it's not a bad thing. Um, look, we all did it, I'm sure. But when they know the dangers and when they have the strategies, the coping mechanisms, the self-esteem, the confidence, uh, the mindfulness, the, the, ability to breathe their way out of stressful situations. Uh, it makes a world of a difference. And when you're doing it at a place and a time in their lives where they can bring it with them forever, well, then you're in a much better place. You need the tools. Yeah. You need those you need tools. And, and you, you hit it perfectly. One size does not fit all. Um, in the uh, antibiotics, right? So there was a friend of mine who was like, well, why don't you, I said, why don't you do the seven day? I said, well, I'll try the seven day instead of the two weeks. She got deathly ill. It worked for me, didn't work for you. And it's like that, and you, again, hit it perfectly. It's relationships, it's a job, it's whatever is surrounding you, that negativity, you become what you think about and talk about and you feel. And if I'm constantly going up to Paul going, Paul going, hey, Phil, how you doing? Well, you know, I, you know, it's like the Peanuts cartoon. And you're thinking to yourself, well, I shouldn't have asked that question. But you, you think that your story is the most important and no one else is experiencing this. Well, guess what? If you look back into the 1800s or look back at old TV shows, there were people, they called them winos. They were, they were addicted to alcohol. It is not a disparaging comment. That's what they called them at the time. The point is, we are habitual human beings. We've got to do it all the time. We're dealing with some things with uh, one of our family members who this person loved to death, refuses change. But in my mind, life is about change. The minute you're born, you don't know how to go to the bathroom. You don't know how to walk. You don't know how to run. You don't know how to speak. You don't even know how. I remember trying to teach my, my kids are older. They're um, 31, and, uh, 31 and a half and 30. And I remember my daughter going, you know, this is how you blow your nose. And she'd blow it through her mouth, you know, because they <laughs> don't know. And you're right. It, it, we're, the kids are sponges because I, that's one of the things I love being around. That's, why do you think you're attracted when you're in a grocery store or something? The kids are just staring at you. They got no garbage in their mind. They don't have any folders. They have no judgments. They have no nothing. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Absolutely. That's why, of course, to protect them. But in general, most people I don't think are bad, but you still have to protect them. Right. But the whole thing is if you don't have somebody, and it doesn't make you bad, 
there's people that just don't have the capacity to be able to deal with the situation that they're in. Mm -hmm. That's why your school is so good because yes, I, I dealt with uh, marijuana when I was a kid and alcohol and I mean, a lot of people, we call the G building at the high school that I, I didn't even try. I didn't try the first time alcohol or even I had a marijuana, a marijuana cigarette. Listen to me. God, do I sound old? <laughs> a joint. Uh, I was like, 19 20 years old and i i i but i i didn't i wasn't addicted to it but it was like certain things that i'm like well i, I can't do this when i'm working and i can't do this in a function but we don't all know that and then you have something else you know the mind one of the things in, in the philosophy of ajinoi which is your soul knowledge knowledge of your soul so it's idea of going they have two separate minds the informational mind and the transformational mind the informational mind's great it gives you the stuff you need to do but it also gives you the limitations because somebody said paul you can't do that i'm sure you had a lot of people going paul it's a great idea you're not going to you're going to fail right. you're not going to be successful right. so trying to do this you probably of course you had people going and you had to, you had to acquire loans and you had to you had to get people to buy in you had to have your wife's buying in you had i mean you knew you were going to struggle and isn't that something that because you don't, you don't know who, who the next person you're dealing with could be the next person with the next monumental idea. That's so right. you went through your own negativity from people. There were some people, that, but you eliminated those. That's one of the things I want to ask you. If you have negative people in your life, not family, if it's bad with family, just limit your time. But people that you really don't need to deal with, I just say, get rid of them. And mm -hmm. I've had people going, well, but I've known them for 30 years. Well, have they ever been positive? No, because every time I talk to them, I'm like, get rid of them. Get rid they're not bad people. So how do you tell somebody who's, because, you know, you're in that state of mind and you're getting that negative energy, so it's attracting those negative people, the other addictions, the other things, or whoever you're dealing with. How is that, how do you, how do you try to not immediately cut the cord, but kind of like shave the cord back slowly but surely till it's completely severed? I, I think uh, a lot of it begins with your own inner strength. I think, mm. right? I think when we, you know, when we excommunicate the bad and we celebrate the good and we get into a mindset that, hey, you know, the people that I interact with, you know, it's like a politician, right? So the politicians on their raft or their float and they're going down the, you know, down the road in the middle of a parade and the right side of the road is, is screaming how much they, they, how much you suck, how much they hate you. But the left side of the road is cheering you. So what do you do? You decide to ignore the right side and only uh, acknowledge the left side, right? Because that's right. your choice. That's right. your your decision to let the bad in or uh, ignore the bad and only let the good in. So, but that's a, a life lesson that took me a long time to look, there's obviously negative forces everywhere in life, whether it's your job, whether, you know, obviously family, whether it's friends and we can choose to let these people wreck our days or we can choose not to. Right. So it's all about what you do with your mind and how you decide to handle that. So, you know, for me, it's, it, it was, it was really simple. Once I learned, to put my mind to only pay attention to the left side and ignore the right. It was so easy, Phil, but you got to get people to that, that place where they're strong enough to do that. And I think that's where the mental health comes in. That's where, like you said, the mindfulness, the meditation, the, and it's all about perspective and how you want to approach it because you could easily continue to let the bad hurt you, or you can just celebrate the good. So choose choose the left side of the road is how I would, you know, is kind of how I would frame that. Well, and, and, and a, it's so true because, but the thing is, it takes practice. And, you know, you try to teach your belief system to somebody, you can't force, the more you try to force somebody to do something, the more the walls come up and they're just, you know, I am not doing, here, here's the thing. When I try to force something upon you, 
And I say, Paul, if you just do it my way, you're, it'll work. And you're thinking, you, you want to just tell them, say, Phil, I love you like a brother, but not my brother. But, uh, but uh, you know what? It works for you in your mind, but it doesn't work for me in my mind. So you got to find something. And that's what I'm doing with this philosophy is I'm telling people you're inside. You're doing what you're doing in your philosophy in the prep school. I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm telling you how you can find your inner self, how you can be spiritually awakened from the inside out, from the mind. Because everything in the mind, um, uh, 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 Albert Einstein said, imagination is just the uh, preview of coming attractions. Right. And it's so true because you could be dealing with somebody, you know, people have read books and seen movies on this that, you know, uh, you know, you could be the next, you know, Tchaikovsky. You could be the next artist. You could be the next person that has a different version of a cell phone or the medical breakthrough. But because you're so in the negative, one thing I, I have found to be absolutely true is the more you keep that negative thing, the, I'm sorry. Well, both negative or positive, but the more you keep the positive thing and you keep willing it, you keep thinking about it, you keep talking about it, you keep acting upon it, you keep dreaming about it. In my studio, my basement, in my home here, I can't tell you how many thousands of times I've talked in front of 20,000 people. I've talked in front of all sorts of people for, for different things. And when you stop forcing something to get done because it's not the right time, I was forcing my musical about six weeks ago. Somebody approached me interested in Hollywood about the musical. So I'm talk, talking about the musical. I'm not. I, I'm excited about it, but the whole thing is, I'm, it's very uncomfortable. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm in an area I've never been. I'm a stupid engineer with an MBA in a medical field. What the hell am I? But you need the people to back you up to go, you're okay. You're a winner. You're the, I'd rather have one person in my life than 100 person people with a, a noose around my neck. Because there's some old uh, study I read uh, a while ago that if you have one person going, Paul, you're, ne you're a loser. It'll never work. That prep school's stupid. Go get a job. You need like 30 people to come by and go positive, 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 just to get rid of that negative. Because your mind, the magnetic field in your mind, we were never trained. We were trained to read and write and do arithmetic and all this, but we were never trained how to use the most powerful computer on the earth. We just, the last place we go is the mind. And I love that. That's why I want you consciously communicating from the mind. So intervention and treatment. You're getting somebody in there in a way that, you know, the parents, whoever, can't deal with it anymore, which is totally understand. I couldn't. I, I don't have the tools to do that. How do you, I know it's a broad, a broad question. Well, these are all broad questions because it's all different. But how do you start getting someone to say, Paul, I need help. I can't get this done. I read about your school. I talked to people that have gone through and it's wonderful. But how, I can't get them. I can't, they lock themselves in their room and they won't leave. How, how do you, you know, yeah, I'm, you're shaking your head. You've heard this before. How, how can you help people along trying to soften that? I know, I, I know other things that I've done with different, I don't deal with the stuff you're dealing, but how, where do you start? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, it, there's no one answer here, but right. what I can tell you is like you were saying before, you know, with, with having people in your lives, look, humans are social animals, uh, whether it's our, right, whether it's our, our families, our friends, our teachers, our, our boss, I mean, people interact with other people. And, you know, when you get to a point where the people around you are dangerous, where, you know, the people around you are harmful and you're falling into these, you know, uh, these very negative, uh, you know, feedback where it's just constant, you know, negative, 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 you know, I feel like for our program to work, it needs to be, you know, that old saying, it takes a village. Yep. So, you know, a, a 15, 16 year old kid who's going down the wrong path, at some point in their lives, they still have a parent who cares about them or a teacher who cares about them or a coach who 
you know, cares about them. So what we need to do is we need to involve them because it's easy for a kid to slip through the cracks. But when we have the walls up where people who are important to that kid are involved in, let's say, the intervention process, we don't do treatment. Uh, we're not in the treatment uh, arena. But intervention really is a much easier concept because what we're trying to do is we're trying to set that child on the right path before we need treatment, before addiction sets in. So, you know, because what happens is red flags are raised and it could be 12, 13, 14 years old. Somebody along the way sees something uh, and they're like, well, what do I do? What we do is we will facilitate that, that plan where we're going to get people involved with, their, you know, with, with this plan, whether it's parents, teachers, friends, family members, aunt, uncle, baseball coach, whoever the heck is involved with that child who cares about them. We're going to have a team, teamwork approach. We're going to figure out what the issue is. We're going to put them on a plan. We're going to set goals and benchmarks. We're going to communicate. We're going to put it all in one place on our assistive technology platform, and we're going to get to the bottom of the problem, and we're going to set them on the right path before it becomes to a point where we need treatment or where addiction sets in. So for me, it's two things. Let's get it before it gets bad, and let's involve every bloody person in that child's life that cares about them, that's going to make sure they don't slip through the cracks. And it's a really streamlined process. Really, that is, it's successful because it doesn't, you know, there's, there's very, uh, it's very difficult to, to have that child, you know, kind of slip through the cracks because everyone involved is involved and they're trying for the same thing to help right. that child. Right. No, it's, it's, I think one of the things is, and, and you hit that really well, uh, that you have through the whole interview and it's just been right on task because you are doing with intervention. You're not dealing with on the other medication type side, but you're trying to help this in a way that, you know, one of the things is like, okay, I, I have this, this thing that's, that's bothering me my whole life and why I scratch my, my butt all the time. Well, I found out my mother spanked me when I was three. That's great, but it, the habit doesn't go away right. because you didn't give me any tools to get rid of it. It's That's like, right. well, you know what? Uh, somebody said, well, somebody was telling him that, uh, you know, because uh, they like the, that I have a process and procedure. I'm a dorky engineer, so I had this process and procedure. And there's five, just one, five of them. Uh, uh, there's a bunch of them, but five of them are main ones. And that's like, well, if you follow those, but it's got to be routine. Mm -hmm. And, 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 but there's like, well, th that was the promise that I've talked to other people. They tell me to do this, go watch a movie. Mm -hmm. Then you won't think about it. You lay down in bed, this, it comes right back. You, well, so, sorry to interrupt you, but no, please. But let me just give you, this is a, I mean, I can use myself as an example here because real quick. So I met my wife, uh, 20, 2009 or so we got married in 2012 and footloose, fancy free. I mean, we were two young kids. We, you know, we, um, we didn't have kids yet. So life was good. Well, we got married. We bought a house. We did construction to the house. We had two kids, 16 months apart from one another. And it was like, my head was on fire. It was like a very difficult few years, right? So what started happening to me was I was having, I want, I want to say panic attacks, but you know, anxiety levels were high. It was, it was a really difficult few years. Well, my wife, who sees me every day, knows me very well, said, okay, you can't live like this. You can't have this kind of eat away at you. And, and I mean, I was, I was driving on the highway and my, I mean, my, my arms are shaking. I couldn't keep the car straight. I was having, oh. it was brutal, but you know, she intervened and she said, you know, we're going to figure this out. So she went on the, on the computer, she found me, you know, someone who does, you know, meditation or, you know, panic attack, stress, stress reliever or psychologist. You know, I mean, she went through the ringer with me. I, I went and got help for it and it changed my life. Uh, that hasn't happened to me now in years because someone who cared about me knew enough to go and, and, and find me help. So that's, that's the same philosophy that I'm following now with Long Island Prep. No, that's a good story because I never had an anxiety attack. I didn't even understand what an anxiety attack and they're brutal. 
It, and, and I didn't know what it was. And I had it once. It was a family situation about 10, 15 years ago. And I woke up in the middle of the night. And I go, I got to go to the hospital. And I, I never do this. I never do that. I never get, I was in the medical field. I never go to ERs. I never go. So we went to the hospital and it was a, a funny story, but in a, in a way, sometimes I believe the, the spirits and angels in the world kind of have to push you over the edge to go, you need help. Right. Ask for the people that love you. You've got at least one person somewhere, like you said, that'll support you. So I got there that, you know, my wife's going to see, okay. It's like, he had an anxiety attack. I said, oh. Is that what it feels like? I didn't know. You it's know, like a heart I, attack. Yeah, right. You, that, exactly. And I'm thinking, he, go, he asked me some questions. He goes, when you were lying on your side or on your back, could you hear your heart beating? And I said, yes. He goes, that's an anxiety attack. And I said, so, you know, they did the stress test and everything was fine. He goes, you're the one we want coming to ER, not the ones who are coming every other week thinking they're, you know, Felix Unger from the, from the odd couple thinking they're dying every three seconds. But it was a, it was a life lesson, I believe, a spiritual lesson for me to go, Here's the signs that I'm going to experience. Now find something to do that will take it away, that will replace it, that will reframe it. And what you're doing is you're teaching people processes and procedures, life lessons. Now, here's the thing I've noticed even in my own philosophy, my own life, is that you have, they develop and change over periods of time because they get bigger. They get stronger because that old one that it was this tiny, real, just doing a little circle in my hands for the listeners, starts, needs to be growing and it grows bigger and it grows bigger because your imagination starts going, okay, well, I got that and Paul gave me these tools, but you know what? If I could do that, I can do anything. So I'm going to come up with something bigger. Um, maybe I go watch Monty Python episode or maybe I go with my friends, but not to go away to escape it. But it gives me a time to, to assimilate. I need time to assimilate. I can deal with things that come at me, but there are certain things, uh, like I said earlier, I think with my family member, I need time to assimilate. For some people, they just they do whatever. I need to stop. I need mm -hmm. silence. I need to lay on the mat. I need to do my prayer meditation or sit up or whatever, because you, it's important to know that you can have something that you can use right when it's happening, because if somebody's... If the addiction's there, let's just, let's just give an example of alcohol. And you go into a bar, but you don't have that. You're not even thinking that. But somebody's there going, oh, come on, have a drink. You're okay. Can't have a drink. You need to have something in your mind right there. Not that you're going, hey, a-hole, I don't want you. That's not going to do you any good. And getting <laughs> mad's not going to do you any good. Walking out of the building's not going to do you any good because you're going to confront that another time. So I believe those are little tests going, okay, you need to see. So those things that and part of the test or not the test, but part of the process and procedure, part of the tools that you're giving people are things I think you mentioned earlier. You could do it on the spot, correct? Correct. Absolutely. And you know, that that comes with mindfulness training, that comes with meditation training. There's gotta be something that you can do um internally, right? Either in you know, in your mind or I mean, there's a whole host of things you can start right. tapping. You know, I mean you can do taps, you know, you can tap right. your head. It, uh, you know, can uh, hold your fingers together. You can start tapping your wrist. I mean, there's a million ways to stop that part of your brain, you know, from going to that place. Right. And like, like we said, it it really does depend on the individual. For me, when that anxiety would 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 come, and you know, things started getting difficult, it was you know, deep breaths. It was uh, you know, you put yourself right to. It's being present. It's being in, you know, it's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm 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 driving. I'm safe. The person in the car with me is safe. You're okay. And it's like. 
that worked for me, but maybe that doesn't work for Phil. Maybe it's something else. But when you know what those are and you realize what it is for you, it really is such a life-changing, transformative, and transcendent process for the individual that you can do anything. You can change the way any part of your life that's going negatively to a positive. And it's just, like you said, it's learning the tools, it's learning the skills, and then it's taking advantage of what you know. So that's what we want to do. We want people to learn and realize what that is for them because it works in all walks of life. I think the most important thing you said it, uh, earlier, choice. We really believe we don't have the choice. Now, I'm not saying that if you're in a bad situation, but I kind of am. Get rid of it. Get the divorce. Get out of it. Go away. Change jobs. Change cities. We live in the United States. Go wherever you need to. Go, go to somewhere in the Western states and go sleep in a tent for a week. You know, it's, it's like, well, I can't do that. Now, I understand the situations. I'm just giving a general broader thing that everybody figured out because you don't know what's going on. People have kids, families, whatever. But I, I would rather quit something or stop something that's negative. It's very difficult because it, it just, it, it takes perseverance. It takes faith. It takes belief. It takes a village, but it takes a village as in the village might be one. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I mean, I got my wife, I got my kids, I got friends, I got some family members, but you know, these people would bend over backwards and I would do the same for them. And when the, when the blank hits the fan, that's when your true friends really are there. The ones I always just tell my kids when they were young, I said, you've got a lot of acquaintances, but very few friends. Correct. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing. My wife's got a lot of them. She's got like six or seven from high school. I don't, I don't have that. It's not bad or good. It just is. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times. These are just acquaintances, but when the blank hits the fan, those you know people skedaddle like a, like a rat in a cage. They're out of there, or the rat in the house, the mice in the house. They're out of here. I'm not even dealing with that. And it's not a bad thing. People have their limitations. And I, as I've gotten older, it's interesting. You think you know somebody, but then the blank hits the fan, whatever that is, fill in the blank. And pardon the pun again, uh, is, but you don't know that. And you're like going, what did you just say? You're thinking to yourself, now, you want to be friends with them, that's fine, but everybody doesn't go on the same path with you, and they could be friends forever, and again, it doesn't make them bad, doesn't make them horrible people, that they just don't fit into your life anymore. And I think that's the, you know, when we went through the pandemic and all this stuff, one thing we, we realized, we should, well, we should have realized this, but we know it, we need people. Yeah. It's old song, people needing people, right? We need human touch. This is not human touch, but we're sharing energies, even though it's over electronics and ones and zeros. The whole thing is we need touch. We need hugs. We need kisses. We need handshakes. We need good conversations. We need to go to a restaurant for coffee or a bar for a drink or whatever food or a cook, you know, a cookie. It, you need to laugh. You need to go with your friends. There was something, like I said, going on with my family, with somebody that's happening. And my, I was on Sunday and my wife and I were going to do things together. But by coincidence, which I don't believe in, that one of her girlfriends said, you want to go to breakfast tomorrow? So she goes, should I go to breakfast where you're planning on going, leave, get out of here. You don't need to have me. You live with me. <laughs> go, go laugh with your friends. Sure. And it was the best thing. She was sure. gone for several hours. And it's just, it's that reframing. But once you start down that road, scary. But once you start seeing and going, ooh, it worked once. Can I do it again? Mm-hmm. And you just want to. So is there an average? I get probably isn't. But is there an average of what, how long something takes? Or is it just so depending on where the scale is and where the addiction and where the things are happening to, to recover. 
So I, I think that there's research that will point to, you know, 30 days, excuse me, it takes 30 days to break a habit. It takes 30 days to form a habit if you're doing it consistently every day at the you know, same time. Or yeah, I've read that too, many times. Yes. And, and I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's true for me. I don't know if that's true for you. Uh, it, you know, it, it really comes down to the individual. But what, what we're saying here um, kind of goes back to that, 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 that idea that, hey, it's really up to us. It's up to me. It's up to you. However you want to make that positive change in your life is going to be up to you. But when you have the tools, when you have the skills, when you have the knowledge, you know, all of a sudden you're working with a full toolbox, right? You're not going to open up the, the hood of a car with an empty toolbox. You need to have everything you need to fix it. So, you know, let's give, you know, t- let's teach people what those, those skills are, what you need. And, you know, A and B might work for you, but C and D works for me. Okay. Right. But now yeah, but you've got all of them. So whatever right. works for you, Phil, I mean, that. That's what that's what you've got to realize, and that's what you've got to do. And you need skilled people giving you that that opportunity and that knowledge. There was a, a study for astronauts like 30 years ago, and because of the they get discombobulated in the space capsule, they put glasses on that was upside down for everything for 30 days, and they had to shower with it, sleep with it, and be with it for 30. I think it was 30 days, but let's say 15 to 30 days. Well, let's just say 30. So it was fine. By like, say the 20th day, and I'm not, you'd have to look it up, but let's say the 20th day, it was right side up. Right. Because Amazing. the mind is trainable. Amazing. It we really think is. the mind, but the ones they took off halfway through, they had, they had to start it again. It had to be another 30 days. So whatever, or 20, whatever it is. And it's a little, of course, it's still, like you said, it's a little different. Maybe it does it in 10 for you and just 30 for me. But the whole thing is you need to keep in the practice. You need to keep doing it over and over. Again, I go back to the things we talked about earlier. You stood up when you're a baby and fell, stood up and fell, stood up and fell, stood up, and you laughed your butt off and you did it again until you finally stood. Then you're watching dad and mom and everybody else going, I could do that. Tried to walk, you fell down. Tried to walk, you fell down. You kept doing it. Then you tried to run, you fall down. How many tests have you failed? How many times you didn't understand your multiplication tables? But that's everything in life. And that's the thing that always boggles my, quote, mind is... People don't understand. They're like, well, you know, I, I didn't expect that to happen. I said, well, I'm thinking you're the only one because it happens to everybody, whether it's retirement, whether it's death, because people, we aren't, as, as far as I know, it's not Star Trek. We don't live forever and I do not want to live forever. But the whole thing is people get shocked when things, oh, I, I lost my job. I got a divorce. Things happen all the time. We're saying, well, it's the worst ever. This is the worst ever in the history of the world. It's like, you don't know much about the world, but there's been a lot of Nasty crap. Nasty. And when we're gone, the next generation goes, this is the worst ever. And they're gone, the next generation, this is the worst ever. And it's not to negate what's happening at the time, but I think that because we have the distraction of the idiot box, I'm sorry, the cell phone, we can get justification for anything. So on my cell phone, I have only positive aphorisms. Mm -hmm. I only have positive videos Mm -hmm. on my, uh, you know, the thing I save on, uh, I think it's like Safari or Google or whatever it is. All positive videos. I have like Les Brown, Bob Proctor, some, somebody named Goodard from the 50s. Um, and all these people, some people I, I didn't even know about, uh, Elizabeth Town, uh, all these people, positive, 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 positive. And I used to watch like regular TV, some old TV shows. But every other, TV, every other ad is take this drug, take this drug, take this drug, take this. I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm not watching it anymore. And I yeah. just stopped watching it because it, it's, it, it's not... It's to, to me, it's depressing. I'm like, yeah. I just want positivity. Now, again, you can't stop everything. If we go to a restaurant and there's a bunch of TVs on, I see 
the news is on or something goes, sit over here. I'm not going to, she's not going to watch it. I just don't, I'm done. I've had it. I choose not to have that, like I said earlier, not to have that negativity going into my mind. I can't do nothing about it. It's the same garbage every day, but I refuse it. And, you know, not to despair, like, so when it comes to addiction, um, it's uh, really hard to deny the physical power of some of these drugs. I mean, you talk about alcohol, you, right? You talk about the opioids, the, the withdrawals from these are incredibly powerful and, 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 and painful and stressful. So, you know, it's like, okay, I, right. I, I've, I've become physically addicted to something. Well, you know what? Modern medicine has treatments for that, you know, um, whether you've weaned off of it, whether you're given certain, you know, like you said, biomedical treatments to get you over that first hump. But then, you know, once your body isn't physically addicted to it anymore, it's a psychological, you know, cycle. So like you're saying, you know, okay, it's so easy to choose not to do something, but I, I miss how great it feels to be high on opioids or I miss how great it Okay. So you, you've got to have a plan and a path forward. Like you said, move away, get, you know, ditch, ditch the old friends who are just going to bring you down again. Get rid of that, that negative cycle that you're in because that's your choice. Because if you don't, it's going to be very difficult to stay clean, to stay, you know, in that positive light. So it, you know, it, we definitely have to bring up the fact that there is a physical aspect you're, to, you're right right to addiction but you know that is that's treatable and that that part of it can be you know taken care of thank god with you know modern medicine it's where we go after that that it becomes psychological it becomes in our mind it becomes a choice so you know we can't disparage the fact that addiction is addiction right that's why it's uh you know as as painful and as as awful as it can be but we have the power to overcome it after we get through that physical part bill i just think that's that's super important you know you're right because I refer to it as food um, or again, anything else. I know people that are addicted to exercising. Sure. I have to exercise seven days a week. I got to exercise for three hours. That's an addiction. Absolutely. And in your mind, you're thinking, okay, my way, if I have stress, I'm going to go work out, but then you don't have relationships or then I believe the body needs to relax sometimes. So you need to be, or, or you're going, well, every time I feel this, I got to go get a cheeseburger, you know, and you're right. It is a, you're hundred percent correct. And thank you for bringing that up because there is a physical reaction it's the mental choice but then the physical body goes ah yeah i need it yeah 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 yeah. and but but you're right modern medicine you know 40 50 years ago not that long ago we didn't have a lot of these things to help you right yet through that physical torture yeah because the mind is like you need it 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 but that once you if if you take the physical need out because it's all it is, is I think there are neurons or whatever it's doing in your brain saying, you're fine yeah. or whatever it's, it's killing. And, 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 you know, think about it. Alcohol has been around for thousands of years. Drugs right. have been around for that. Why are we in a crisis now? You link it right back to the mental health part, right? You meant yep. people are having a hard time coping. You know, it's easy to, it's much easier to get high than it is to deal with problems. I mean, that the whole mental health aspect of it. And that's why I kind of brought it all together there. I said, you know, there's, there's that part of it we need to address and we got to get it before it becomes problematic and addiction sets in. And the best way to do that is to get it with the kids, get it with the kids so that the kids know, so their parents know, so their teachers know. And then all of a sudden you got a shot, you got a chance to avoid what could be a really miserable being, you know, being addicted to some of these drugs, because, you know, I, I, um, you know, between friends and just knowing people who have gone through it, it is a, it is a really difficult place to be. And it's life changing to get out of it. It takes a whole lot of work. So let's, let's avoid that altogether. And I, everybody that check out his website, Long Island Prep, I should say Long Island Prep, 
we were making fun of uh, accents. He's from New York. I'm from Chicago. Chicago. Um, but check out Long Island Prep. See what he has to say on there. It's pretty very. It's very easy to read. And you know, if you know somebody or you can help somebody, I don't care that he's in New Jersey. You know, or I'm sorry, New Jersey in in uh, Long Island. It doesn't matter. Go talk to him. Find out what the tools are. Maybe he's the right person. Maybe you need to go there. You don't know. Open things up. Before we end the show, I would always ask my um, inter people I'm interviewing uh, a positive aphorism. You've left a whole bunch of them. But what's something positive you can leave with the audience to just say, I didn't think about it that way? Yeah. Uh, I think we need to approach um, life today that we're not alone. You know, we we spoke with, uh, you know, today I had a great conversation with Phil. We talked about uh, the people around you, the people around you. Focus on the people who bring you up, not on the people who bring you down, because there's always going to be the people who bring you down. It's the people who bring you up that you need to celebrate, that you need to be around, surround yourself with good people and good things happen. It's that simple. I love it. Uh, Again, Paul, I thank you for being on the show today. It's much appreciated. My pleasure, Phil. Thank you so much. Had a great time. Thank you. Absolutely. And remember, it is more important to express your thinking thoughts and not the thoughts you are thinking. That's what we've been talking about the entire time, Paul and I. That is what is called conscious communication. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Conscious Communication. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcast. You can also get more great information at ConsciousCommunicationPodcast.com.